Welcome to eHealth Talk, a podcast from Health Informatics New Zealand and hosted by me, editor of eHealth News, Rebecca Macbeth. This podcast provides a regular roundup of news and views from across New Zealand's data and digital health sector. Please be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Kia ora and welcome to eHealth Talk NZ. Today I'm speaking to Becky George, Clinical Director for the HERO Programme, led out of data and digital at the Ministry of Health. Thanks for joining me today, Becky, and can you start by briefly describing your new role? Kia ora, everyone. It's great to be here. Thank you, Rebecca. Um, This role is really interesting. It's the first clinical role within the Data and Digital Directorate, and that really reflects the new emphasis that we're trying to put on clinicians and providers and having New Zealanders at the centre of the whole design process for data and digital programmes. I'm the Interim Clinical Director for HERA, um, and my role is to provide clinical leadership and expertise to inform the design and implementation of HERA to ensure that it meets the needs of our practitioners and our providers across the health workforce and health and disability system. One of my key responsibilities is actually to lead a clinical reference group of 12 um, practitioners. Our group includes clinicians from across medical, nursing and allied health. Um, And they bring a broad range of viewpoints um, and representative um, representation, I should say, from communities throughout New Zealand. We also um, were able to identify that these members um, we're drawing from are from providers from both public, private and NGO backgrounds. They work in rural and metro areas. And importantly, we've got a really great and strong Maori representation in that group. So one of my key priorities is actually to make sure that the clinical workforce is supported to adopt HERA so it can reach its full potential. Mm, Sounds exciting. And and for those who are listening who may not know, can you also describe the HERA program and its purpose? Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting to explain to people about HERA because many people don't realise that a person's health information is currently stored across a range of separate systems, depending on which providers are actually involved in their care. Um, A lot of people assume that we can read everything that's held by everybody and unfortunately that's not the case. So it makes it really difficult for clinicians to get a complete view of a patient. So if we are collating the patient health information, um, it can create delays because we're searching for the person involved, we're searching for that information and it can put the patient at risk of uh, delayed decision making at times. So in the first instance, HERA is going to allow the health information stored on all these existing systems to be brought together to create a virtual electronic health record. This is going to ensure that clinicians have access to complete patient information in the right context, at the right time, wherever they may be. And at the same time, New Zealanders are going to be able to access and control their health information through their choice of website or digital device, which is going to really empower people to better manage their health and more actively participate in decisions on their healthcare. It's going to really truly become a partnership. So these are just the first steps for HERA. And we're hoping that um, the program, uh, as we work forward, is also going to be putting in place foundational services like data standards, interoperability, nice big word, digital identity, um, to create a platform that supports the development of new and innovative health services and functionality. 
So a key benefit of Hero that I want to highlight is that going to improve the quality and breadth of information available across for the population of health planning, which will enable our commissioning bodies to focus on health and disability systems resources where they're most needed to respond to population changes, changes in demand, and most importantly, to improve equity. I really believe that Hero is going to help support the preventative space of our health and health and disability system. Because in fact, by providing information at the right place and at the right time, this means that hopefully we're going to prevent and reduce the dependency on acute services and on crisis services, because we can work in far greater partnership with our clinicians in the community. So here is going to be a wee bit of a catalyst for establishing a new digitally enabled models of care. For example, it's going to enable in-person visits to be increasingly um, prioritised for the complex and for those that are truly in need for in-person and, and physical presence, whereby we might also grow far more dependent on telehealth and digital therapeutics where it's appropriately needed. Mm, that's interesting, yeah, because telehealth and virtual care is obviously um, come to the fore recently with the pandemic. But yeah, it's it's not as easy as just um, setting up a video camera, is it? In terms of the clinician, definitely needs to have access to a lot of systems and information yeah. to be able to um, you know, have a really good quality of service. So you think that you know, although we have already taken a lot of steps towards more telehealth and and virtual care, and we're doing remote monitoring now of COVID patients, which is interesting. But Hero will enable that to grow. Do you think? I do think. I think by providing a far greater comprehensive uh, level of information, our clinicians are going to be able to make decisions far more adequately and appropriately around prioritising complex needs. Um, and those patients are often the ones who need that in-person presence. And it's going to provide opportunities for identifying where um, telehealth and where um, digital therapies are more appropriate. So it's it's creating that space to 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 broaden the modes of delivery and the methods of how we might actually deliver and provide health services. Mm. And you mentioned at the start there that uh, yeah, a lot of patients think that clinicians already have access to this information. I mean, you are you know have been a practicing clinician yourself. Have you had experience of that, or you know how do you explain to patients when you don't know? something oh. that, uh, that happened to them previously in the health system. Absolutely. I've had a wealth of experience of, of disconnected and, and fractured information, um, of trying to chase down who it might be that's been involved that the consumer may have mentioned that visited their house or um, provided a piece of equipment, for example, um, because there are so many players often involved in, and, and providers, I should say, involved in a person's health journey. Um, bringing that all into some kind of coordinated response around uh, a strategic care plan for somebody who's got um, sometimes complex needs, sometimes more simple needs. But bringing all of that into play is, is really important and can take, at this time, a lot of time to track down and, and, and bring those pieces of the puzzle together. Mm. And often now that's the clinician's role, is it, to be that sort of centre point trying to pull that information and absolutely, absolutely. And that's often, and I think traditionally, why we might have people whose roles are called key worker or caseworker, because in fact, the roles um, for navigating the health journey have been identified as instrumental at coordinating and bringing all of those um, bodies and all of those providers together. Mm. 
So can you tell us about the current timelines for the initial program of work for HERA? Yeah, absolutely. So the first tranche of HERA um, we anticipate will commence implementation really soon. It's going to be delivered over a period of about two and a half years um, and it will put in place most of the key foundation services. So um, by the end of that first tranche, New Zealanders and uh, their trusted health clinicians will have access to important health information, including such things like demographics, such as gender and ethnicity, name and date of birth, their enrolled general practice, um, community services card entitlements, prescribed and dispensed medicines, and their COVID-19 vaccination status and COVID-19 test results. So the first tranche is really focusing on key foundation services and really focused on um, key information um, that will be available um, to all providers and consumers who um, on board with HERA. So New Zealanders are also going to have the ability to update their information held in the National Health Index and what we know as NHI, such as their contact details. And that's fundamental because what we want to do from the start is demonstrate to our New Zealander uh, population is that actually partnership um, is, is critical and essential to uh, the development of HERA right from the start. So access to health information in tranche one is going to be enabled through multiple consumer and provider channels, and they might be websites or apps. Um, and we're going to be focusing on those that improve equity of access to health information and who and what will look to empower our consumers and whanau to better manage their health and well-being. Yeah, interesting, the, the NHI. What, uh, I've heard um, quite a few people say how lucky we are in New Zealand to have that and often the envy of other countries. Can you just give a brief description of what the NHI is and how that's going to be central to, to HERA? Yeah, absolutely. So the NHI um, is, is critical as a, uh, as a standard of patient information um, that takes their identity um, in terms of their name, date of birth um, and ethnicity and gender uh, and brings it together in one place. And it's um, so the NHI is not just your number. The number gives access to those elements of information. So that's absolutely important. And what we're trying to do is by enabling consumers access to updating those information, we're going to reduce the number of times that you get asked for your date of birth and your name um, and your gen general practice um, and your ethnicity when you go and visit a health service. Because in fact, we will have access to the NHI as a source of truth. The consumer is going to have access to update it, which is really key because then that means that they're they are uh, partnered in responsibility for ensuring that. Um, now, we do know that many changes to people's sort of personal details around that are held locally. So it's going to be, you know, on the responsibility of all of us to ensure that we feed updates and changes to that information straight into and directly into the NHI, um, because then that means that that will, is the source of truth and will be trusted as the source of truth for coming into um, HERA. Mm. Yeah, great. And so um, understand there is going to be three tranches ultimately of the program of work. Can you just uh, tell us about that sort of future roadmap? Yeah, absolutely. So HERA is going to be a five-year program and so it's going to run until about 
the end of 2026. So with the delivery of each tranche is going to overlap with the next and, and previous to some extent. So in other words, the implementation, the implementation of tranche two will start work before um, work to deliver tranche one is completed. Um, so we're going to take a, a wee bit of an iterative approach to HERA. The second and third tranche um, will build on the foundations put in place, place by the first tranche, while we're also building new services and functionality. So wherever possible, we hope to improve and expand services delivered on that first tranche. So the mix of deliverables sort of within that second and third tranches of HERA is expected to evolve over the duration of the program. And this is going to reflect the experience that we've gained during the delivery of the first tranche. So in response, that might be to stakeholder feedback, um, and that's across sort of vendors, our clinicians as providers, um, and our consumers and New Zealand population. So at this stage, the Ministry expects that the second tranche of HERA will bring new opportunities for consumers and providers to engage um, by giving um, our population and the clinicians access to an even wider range <clears throat> of health data, such as information about allergies, adverse reactions, shared care plans, which are going to be absolutely critical, and other immunisations information and lab results. We also um, are going to be providing access to a broader range of eligibility and entitlement information. And we're going to enable the population to see where health information is held about them and who's authorised to access the information. So we're looking at access and permissions and delegation of permissions, particularly where we've got um, consumers who have dependents or if they're carers providing care to somebody who may need help with their own HERA record. So we are also going to be looking to broadening the range of relevant data available to community care providers. Um, but the focus and intended focus of the third tranche is on connecting the HERA services more widely across the health and disability system and expanding access to then the HERA data sets. So this includes enabling our population to involve trusted whānau in their care by delegating and controlling access to the health and wellbeing information. The third tranche is also going to improve communication and collaboration across the health and disability system. So this is about increasing and improving the coordination um, of services and ensuring that we've got really clear visibility of who's involved, when and how. Well, that sounds exciting. <laughs> You've really got it, got it all planned out there. Um, so how can um, clinical informaticians around the country get involved to contribute to the development of HERA? Yeah, this is really exciting and obviously um, a key reason of why we've got this role in place. Um, now, we've actually established a HERA clinical reference group and that's going to be the primary voice for clinicians in the development of HERA. The group is obviously drawn from across a range of professions, as I said earlier. And so each member of the group has a well-developed professional relationships with their peers, they've got their own networks and connections, um, and together with strong links in their communities, we're going to be asking them to bring these perspectives with them to the group meetings. We also, within the HERA program, have a research and discovery team that's helping to inform the design, and they're going to be holding interviews and focus groups and workshops with New Zealanders, with Farnow, with clinicians and vendors and advocates. So we've got a number of avenues of how we're going to engage and reach out and connect. 
So I know that across the clinical workforce and the health and disability workforce broadly, we've got a number of communities and networks that are going to be engaged and worked with. There may well be uh, points of discussion. Um, and I know that we are going to be regularly engaging people with both updates, but also consultation processes. Um, the onus on the clinical reference group is that we will ensure that the membership co remains consistently relevant to what it is that we're working on. So it may well be a more fluid membership um, than a very static advisory group or, or, or governance group. Uh, and this is really important. We've got a wealth of expertise out there and we need to ensure that we're obviously making the most of it. Um, but there are going to be decisions that need to be made. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we are looking to um, establishing new standards, new guidelines, new principles of how we might share information, et cetera. And this is really key. Um, and so we're kind of almost breaking new ground from a national perspective on this. Um, and it's something that we all need to work together on um, and we all need to draw on um, uh, the wealth, again, of expertise that we have available to us. Mm. And I guess in terms of timing, moving to that sort of national standard approach, um, you know, at the same time, you've got the creation of Health NZ and the Māori Health Authority. Is that all going to, you know, I guess yeah. people's mindsets are already changing in that way. Do you think that's going to help in terms of perhaps getting over some barriers about um, some way things might be done locally that, you know, nationally are going to have to be done slightly differently? Yeah, I think so. I think there's some real opportunity there with the development of the new bodies and, and entities that that we are challenging the way that we used to do things. Because, I mean, you know, as Albert Einstein said, if you always do what you've always done, you'll never get anywhere different. So we need to make sure that we are re-envisioning things. And I think um, the way that we're trying to engage with our community, with our uh, rural disability Maori populations, uh, with our clinical um uh, health workforce that in fact we're really trying to do it in a very partnership focused way this header is about them um, so this isn't ministry-led this is a partnership program um, and that's something that we're making very clear in all of the communications and workshops that we're providing um, we've got a couple of workshops coming up in december um, a consumer provider workshop um, and a vendor workshop and those invitations have just gone out so we're really keen to have people come on board for those two particularly um, it's going to really start the engagement process and continue it because we've already been doing some um, prior to this mm. yeah for for listeners it's on the 10th of december those two um, workshop webinars and you can find uh, information on eventbrite and HIN's website and uh, NZ HIT as well and M10s, I believe. Uh, I'm sure it's probably on the ministry website as well, Vicky. Uh, so look out for that 10th of December and um, join in for more information there. Um, so uh, we have touched on this already, but in terms of, uh, you know, if we're starting the starting point of a virtual electronic health record, why is the input of clinical informaticians going to be important um, for HERA to be a success, um, you know, as opposed to just clinicians, but the, the clinical informaticians specifically. Yeah, absolutely. And this is really key because, in fact, our clinical reference group, the, ma the majority of them all have uh, a foundation in digital health and informatics from a clinical perspective. And this is important because we need... Um, we need the expertise and perspectives to be provided from an understanding of that 
that broad interpretation of the technology and the digital systems and process space, as well as that foundational underpinning of the clinical understanding of processes and systems. So, um, what we're really hoping to do is 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 bring people in who can provide uh, answers and understanding to the questions of such you know is does HERA provide the right information in the right context? Are we um, what type of um, document sharing uh, do we need to establish in order to to ensure national standards um, for consistency? So how do we? How do we take all the nuances that we understand from the clinical pressures and complexity of our health system, but also recognizing the technical limitations that we have and the need for standards um, and the need for data sovereignty? And how do we bring that into play and how do we ensure that those right decisions are being made? So for clinical informaticians, this is a key role um, to be providing their input and feedback into HERA as it's developed in, in which avenue, whichever avenue they can access. So the workshops, the reference group directly to me as feedback or however that might be, uh, their wisdom and expertise is highly valued. Mm. Yeah, because they're often described as sort of translators, aren't they, between the clinical needs and understanding of workflow um, sort of at the coal phase and the, the, yeah, as you said, the um, technological possibilities and understanding of, yeah, what can be achieved and what sort of timeframes, um, having the, those people in the middle who can speak both languages is obviously going to be important in a project like this. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I think often people question um, question the need for clinical informaticians. And, you know, I often, um, you're, you're playing um, with that argument of, of what a business analyst can also bring to that situation. And I think fundamentally, the value comes down to the efficiencies gained by having a clinician in that space who already understands the health and disability system. So this is about a breadth of perspective from that clinical view, um, but also then learning and understanding and brokering that space between, as you say, that technology and clinical worlds. And what will HERA mean for clinicians um, in terms of their day-to-day roles, do you think? That's a great question. I believe that HERA is going to have a significant impact on clinicians' daily um, caseloads and work life. Um, I believe that clinicians are going to be supported to be more responsive um, and deliver better health services by ensuring that they've got complete comprehensive access to the health information of a consumer at the right time. So it might be point of care um, or a point of decision making um, and in the right context. and this is going to be done um, by means of existing systems uh, and any digital device, including desktop computers, tablets, smartphones um, that they have available access to. So this is really key. We're not um, making it device specific. This is really important to ensure that we've got equity of access to. So over time, we believe that here is going to become an, uh, an ecosystem, we might call it, of secure and trusted inf- um, information and data. Um, And it's going to be a catalyst for establishing new and digitally enabled models of care. So there may well be opportunities to to develop new care pathways um, through the use of HERA and the fact that we've got such uh, greater access to comprehensive information. Um, So I believe it is going to bring efficiency gains, but it's going to bring efficiency gains not only for the clinician, it's going to reduce the amount of time that I believe our consumers are waiting waiting for decisions, waiting for treatment, waiting for responses um, and progress in their health journeys. 
Mm. And I imagine, um, you know, especially from overseas, we hear a lot of reports about general frustration and the the burden that IT can bring if it's not mm. done well and people don't have access to information. Uh, do you think that it will just improve the working life of clinicians and the enjoyment, again, of of being a clinician, you know, if they're not having to spend a lot of time chasing down information or logging into different systems and, you know, if it removes those barriers. Yeah, absolutely. I do. I, I do hope that it brings joy back into work life when it's been often pretty subsumed by administrative activity and, and, and tasks that need to be done. Um, I do hope that a lot of clinicians can certainly believe that their calling or their purpose for what it is, the services that they provide are being finally underpinned and supported um, by those timely decision-making opportunities and by the timely delivery of services uh, and not feeling that intense frustration on a consumer's behalf that they're having to wait again or that they are um, unable to receive what they need to at the right time. Mm. Yeah, and we're all consumers of healthcare as well. So yep. that positive impact for us on the other Absolutely. end of it as well. Oh, well, thanks so much for joining me today, Becky. It's been really insightful um, discussion. And to our listeners, um, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. If you can take the time to review it, please do so as that makes it easier for other people to find. And if you're interested to learn more, um, tune in on the 10th of December to the uh, webinars, which are going to focus uh on the header for health sector vendors or industry providers, uh, consumers, I believe are the, the three groups. Yep, absolutely. Yep. yep. So consumers right. and providers together um, and the vendors and innovators together, which will be awesome. Vendors. Perfect. Okay. So look out for that. And thanks so much. Pleasure. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for having me. Thanks for listening to eHealth Talk. Be sure to subscribe and share with your colleagues and friends. eHealth Talk eHealth News and the eHealth TV webinar series are supported by Health Informatics New Zealand. See hins.org.nz for more information and become a member starting at just $17 a month. We also have affordable organisational membership options now for both our industry partners and healthcare providers.